Shalom. Welcome to the Word of Impact brought to you by Kingdom Ambassador Center. Through the teachings of our pastor Randolph Ajay, you will be inspired, equipped, and empowered to fulfill your kingdom mandate. Now, let's hear the word for today. We are looking at your body. So last week we started the interesting series on the gates of your body. Literally talking about how your body itself is a house. It's a temple, okay? And we said that the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord indwells you. He indwells your body. Him indwelling your body makes your body like a house. And we have established that every house has a door. Every house has a gate. It has windows. It has things that could give people, you know, permission to access it and people to leave. We, you know, read this powerful scripture in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. If you can just give it to me quickly, Jesse. Revelation chapter number 3, the verse number 20. Jesus said that I stand at the door. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens, someone should come on the keys. He said, behold, I stand on the door and I knock. And he said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. Say in to him. Say in to him. So we established that him coming in, he didn't say that when you open the door, I would come into the church. He didn't say I would come into the conference room. He didn't say I would come into, you know, that, you know, nice edifice. But he said that, you know, when you open the door, I would come into the him. In other words, the him or the human being has a door. Which simply, or which signifies the body of the person. He says that I stand at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine in with him. So Jesus saying that he's going to come into you means that you are a house. Say I am a house. Say I am a storehouse. Say I am a building. Say I have gates. I have doors. So Jesus is saying that I would come into him. Now I established for you on Sunday that this scripture was written to a church called Laodicea or it's a Laodicean church. When you start reading Revelation chapter number 2, you realize that Jesus Christ begins to write to seven churches. Seven what? Churches. Now understand this, that this scripture, as I established, is not written to unbelievers. This was not Jesus speaking to unbelievers. Most of the time, I've done evangelism so much in back home and many places. And this is one of the best scriptures evangelists love to use. Open your heart and Jesus is going to come. And he says that if you open your heart, I would come and dine with you. But when you look at the etymology of this scripture, if we go to the root word, this is not an evangelism scripture. This is not a scripture written to unbelievers. This is Jesus writing to the saints, the church. And he's saying that if you open the door of your heart, I'm going to come in. Now, for somebody to say, open the door of your heart and let me come in, number one, we have to be able to decode that person's location. Are we here? If someone is saying, open the door and let me come in, it means he's not in. It means he's out. If someone is knocking your door and the person is in the house, there's a high possibility you are dealing with a ghost. Because it is only a ghost that can knock your door and still be present in your house. But the moment anyone is knocking at your door, 
you would be able to identify that the location of the person is not in the house, but it's outside the house. Are we here? And this is Jesus Christ writing to a church in Laodicea, writing to individuals like us and not to unbelievers. And he says, if you open the door, I would come. So what it means is that it is possible for you to be a Christian born again, but yet Jesus Christ is not present in your life. Are we here? Are we here? You know, the fact that you are born again and you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit does not mean that the Holy Spirit is having his way in you and through you and operating within you. And that is why the Bible said that we ought to, you know, guard our salvation. We ought to, you know, do everything to keep our salvation with fear and trembling. This is the church. Jesus is writing to and he says that open the door. And I said on Sunday, not everything that is called church has Jesus within. Not everything called church has Jesus within. And that is why in the book of John, the Bible says, test all spirits. There are many people that are falling into the raw hands of the wrong people because they did not have the capacity to test the spirit operating. Just because something looks nice and the edifice looks good, just because somebody could sing good, preach good, does not mean Jesus is within the person. Ask the person next to you, is Jesus within you? Please give me a little bit of, because I'm, I'm, I'm losing my voice. He said, I stand at the door and I'm knocking and if anyone hears and over here, the key thing that we are looking at is door and we have established that one of the fundamental, you know, uses of door is to give access. What it means is that, listen, you can actually give Jesus access or deny him in your life. If anybody tells you one saved, forever saved is a lie. I strongly believe that if we are saved once and we are forever saved, then there is no need for judgment. Then we could live our lives anyhow we want and still make it regardless. Are we saved once? Yes, but you have a responsibility to keep what has been entrusted to you by allowing the Holy Spirit to have full effect in your life. Are we here? That's why Jesus said on the last day, many would come and say, did I, did I, did I, did I, did I? And we tell them, listen, I don't know you. So we establish that there is doors that give access to our lives. And Jesus Christ is in need of us to open that door so that his spirit would operate us. And last week we established that, listen, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit would always access your door by permission. Say permission. Say permission. If someone is knocking your door and he says open, it means he's seeking permission. But we assert that the enemy does not seek permission to access the door of any man or woman. The enemy, according to the book of John chapter 10, the Bible calls him a thief. How many thieves came into your house and told you, uh, Sophia, we are coming to your house on, on, on the 7th of October at exactly 5 o'clock, you know, 15 seconds past 5. We are coming, we'll come through your door, we'll break through your window, we are coming to steal your watch. Is that a thief? That cannot be a thief. So thieves attack without permission. The Holy Spirit is so big, he's so gentle to force himself on you. 
That is why the Holy Spirit works with desire. Say desire. Say desire. He said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. In other words, when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit, you must have a desire to want to be with him. That's how it works with him. It's a desire. The enemy does not work with desire. He imposes his right upon you. And that is why the Bible says that you should have the capacity to resist him. When the Bible is saying resist somebody, it means that that thing is coming with a certain element of force that you should have an equal opposing force to resist him. Why? Because he's coming without permission. Now, there are things I want you to know today. The biggest gift God gave to you apart from the Holy Spirit and apart from the sacrifice of his son on the cross. As a matter of fact, the biggest gift God ever gave to man is your body. Did you hear what I said? God indeed ministers to your spirit. He is in need of your soul. But the biggest gift God ever gave to you is your body. Now, how you operate with this body of yours determines whether you want to honor God or you want to honor the devil. Say the biggest gift God ever gave to me is my body. Apart from that, one of the things that you also have to know is that your biggest tool you can give to God or Satan is your body. The biggest gift God God gave his God gave you your body so that you would offer it to him. The biggest tool God needs or God can ever use or the devil can use of a man is the body. Do you know why? Because God is a spirit. Satan is a spirit. And we have established that spirits are not able to operate on the face of the earth without bodies. In heaven, God does not need your body. God is not in need of bodies in heaven. So on the day of rapture, you will jump out of your body like you are jumping out of your skirt. The Bible says when the trumpets sound, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall arise first and meet him in the air. And the Bible says that those of us that are not sleeping will be caught up with him. When we are being caught up with him, this body is not going. We are leaving it on the face of the earth. It means that God, in order for him to operate on earth sufficiently, efficiently, proficiently, needs the body of a man but in heaven there's no need of bodies in heaven there are spirits we would see God as a spirit the angels are spirits and we would become spiritual beings the Bible said even as he is so shall we become the Bible says that we would take upon glorious bodies as that of God himself but on earth heaven and hell can't operate without bodies Let me tell you this, whether you like it or not, somebody is using your body. Whether you like it or not, there's nothing like a body without use. Everybody, I'm not talking about everybody, I'm talking about everybody, is in use. Because the biggest tool that you know, that you can ever give God or the devil, have you ever met a demon in town before? Have you ever met a demon making shopping before? 
Have you smelt a demon physically in the form of a boss before? Every demon you meet is operating through a body. I've never met the Holy Spirit in suit and tie, but I've met the Holy Spirit in Nelson. I've met the Holy Spirit in Sarah. I've met the Holy Spirit in Vanessa. You know, God and the devil, the biggest tool they can ever use is, you know, the body because spirits are not allowed to operate on earth without bodies. Are you here at all? The Bible said in the book of Revelation that when the devil messed up, sometimes I tell people, listen, the opposite of God is not the devil. Yes, the opposite of light is darkness. The opposite of, you know, life might be death. The opposite of black may be white. But the opposite of God is not the devil. Why? Because a creation cannot be opposite to the creator. The opposite of Benz cannot be Carl Benz. Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? Carl Benz created Mercedes Benz. So Mercedes Benz cannot be the opposite. So let us stop saying that the opposite of God is the devil. God has not all no opposite. He is infinite. He is all powerful. He is all glorious. He is almighty. He is the omnipotent. The omnipresent. He is the omniscient God. There is none before him and there will be none beside him. He is God all by himself. When the, listen, there is nowhere in scripture God personally deals with the devil. Read your Bible. If God will personally fight the devil, it means that they are co-equals. They are, you know, they are all on the same level. When you go through scripture, anytime the enemy begins to mess up, God will say, listen, I'm too big. I'm too big to deal with my creation. I'm, I am the creator. It would be very useless for somebody to see me and Joel in the boxing ring and we are having gloves and I'm punching that two-year-old guy. No, I'm the father. I produced him. I tell him what to do. I tell him what to sleep, when to eat. I decide what he has to eat. Joel can never be my opposite. He can never be my co-equal. And any time the devil messed up in heaven because he's a creation of God, another creation of God had to deal with him. Because he's an angel, an angel had to deal with him. Any time the devil messed up, Michael would say, listen, hey, listen, Satan, you are a creation and I am a creation. And God, this battle is not yours. It's angels versus angels. Listen, God is not an angel. He is bigger than an angel. The Bible says our angels, not ministering spirits, sent to minister unto the sons of obedience. And any time the devil messed up, he was disciplined by a certain angel called Michael. Disciplined him real hard. But there's an interesting story. The Bible said when Moses went upon the mountain called Pisgah and he did certain things that he ought not to do by cause of the pressure of the people. Saints, listen, you need to be careful about the pressure of the people. You need to be mindful because of the pressure of the people. 
Listen, as you walk with God, one of the things that can cause you to miss God and miss your destiny and miss your place and miss the assignment of God is what we call the pressure of the people. Saul was anointed, but because of the pressure of the people, he lost his throne to David. The Bible said when Samuel came back, Saul said, I was afraid of the people. I heard the voices of the people. They were impatient and I had to do something, some way, somehow. Go through scripture. The pressure of the people always made people take the wrong decision. That is why me, you can't pressure me in this, my work with God. Until I've heard God, forget it. You could be my mother, my father, my grandmother, my wife, forget it. Because you're not going to pressure me out of the will of God. Now Moses loses his place. God tells him he will not go into the promised land because of the pressure of the people. Listen, there's a certain tendency and there's a certain pressure social media is putting on us. The society is putting on us. Our friends are putting on us. And if you don't take care in our quest to satisfy the pressure of the people, we will miss God. Are we here? So the pressure of the people. Because of the pressure of the people, Moses strikes the rock instead of just speaking to the rock. And as he strikes the rock, the Lord tells Moses, listen, this is where it ends. When you get to this mountain, that is where you are ending. You are not coming with me. Moses dies on the top of the mountain. And the Bible says that the same Michael that disciplines the devil on earth comes upon the face of the earth and he can't discipline Moses. He can't discipline Satan the same way he did on heaven. Why? Because he was operating outside of his jurisdiction. What it means, it means God, in as much as he's God all by himself, when he's outside of his jurisdiction, in that sphere that is called heaven, God would not be able to effectively execute his mind without the agreement of a man and without the body of a man. And that is why when people are questioning, where is God? Where is God? If there is God, why is there war in Sudan? And why is there war in Somalia? And if there is God, God, why are things going on in Pakistan and India? And why are things going on in Afghanistan? It means that the saints are failing because if God can influence things in these nations for people to know that it's God, there must be group of people that are availing themselves for God to use to touch these kind of places. These places we are talking about that there is war. Which people are causing the war? Is it not human beings? Which people are shooting? Is it not human beings? Which people are slaughtering? Is it not human beings? Have you seen God or the devil come and land in Somalia and killing people? You see a man take a knife and put it at the throat of another one and cut it. Why? Because they've availed themselves and their bodies for the devil to use. The Bible says that he cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So listen, the biggest tool we can ever offer God or the devil is this body. What are you using this your body for? What is the essence of this body? To eat, to sleep. If God needs a hand to use, let it be your hand. If it's in need of a mouth, Marus, Kataya, let it be your mouth. If God is in need of a body, the Bible said, how will they hear the word of God if the word is not preached to them? How will the word be preached to them unless somebody is sent? Listen, anytime we refuse to use this body for the use of God, we are limiting God's operation on earth. 
biggest tool you could ever offer God or the devil is your body. The third thing, the biggest worship sacrifice you can ever sacrifice on the altar for God it's not singing, it's not songs, it's not a thousand dollars, it's not a two thousand dollars, it's not a three thousand dollars. The highest form of worship is a body that is sacrificed. Romans, the chapter number 12, the Bible said, Therefore, offer your bodies as a living, Arika Pada. Hey, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Listen, your God, your worship means nothing to God. God, if your body ain't for him, your singing is useless. If your body ain't for God, forget about your thousand pounds and your two thousand pounds. Listen, nobody has ever carried a thousand pounds to heaven. Do you know whether your offerings are going to is in the church account? I've not bought a ladder, climbed the ladder, and presented the money to God and said, Listen, this one gave a seed of thousand. God, take it. But you see, whenever you perform a physical act. It has an imposing spiritual significance. So you give it to the altar, but the angels carry the essence to God. It goes before him as a sweet-smelling savor. Heaven recognizes your obedience and your heart. Nevertheless, the biggest offering you can ever, the biggest worship you can ever, God, is your body. And that's why I don't believe uh, that God just looks at the heart and the condition of my body is irrelevant. No, 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 no. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, uh, uh, the mouth speakers, your, your, your body is, is a representation of the state of your heart. Are you listening to what I'm trying to say? And the biggest thing we could ever offer God is your body. The biggest thing, the Bible says that offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He said, holy. Say holy. Say acceptable. So that means that there is acceptable worship and there's worship which is unacceptable. Don't be fooled. We all may be lifting our hands. Sorry, lift you high your way. Not everyone singing worship is acceptable. He said the biggest form of worship is the sacrifice of the body on the altar. And he goes on to the verse number two. He says that, listen, you know, spiritual act of worship. Let's go to the verse number two quickly. Is it frozen again? He says that, do not conform. That means that the one that has sacrificed his body to God doesn't conform anymore. Oh, Jesus. You see yourself conforming, your body is not yet sacrificed. Anytime you see yourself conforming, it means that the body has not yet been totally submitted to God. The one that has totally submitted their bodies to God, do not conform. You will not conform to the systems. You will not conform to the plans and twists of the enemy. You will not be conformed to any plots of wickedness. He says that when you offer your body, you do not conform. Say my body. It's the biggest sacrifice I can ever offer God. There's a song we used to sing in Ghana. My body, yeah, my God, I go give up more. My body, he there for my God. My, it means my body I would give to God. My body belongs to God. Say body. Say body. Say body. Great. So you want to look at the gates of the body. 
Today we are going to talk about some deep things. Is that okay? Romans 6, 13. 13. Romans the chapter number 6, the verse number 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. As a matter of fact, let's read it together. One, two, let's go. Do not offer the parts of your body to what? The word is offer. Say offer. Offer means you freely give. Is that okay? So that means that you can offer, you can freely give your body to sin. He says, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. When you see somebody who can take a gun and shoot another human being and kill the person, if you see somebody who can take a little child and slaughter that child, if you see somebody who is madly in wickedness, they've offered their bodies to wickedness. Why don't you offer your bodies to righteousness? Listen, sometimes we complain, but we are not creating an alternative. We talk more, the enemy works hard. Did you hear what I said? I said we do what? The enemy does what? He works hard. Sometimes it's not too much talking, it's work. He said that do not offer parts of your bodies to sin as instruments of weakness, but rather offer yourselves or bodies to God and those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. God is saying, offer me your body. Like a guy is telling you, offer your body to me. So many people so easily offer their bodies on beds of immorality, but they can't offer it to God. You offer your body easily to men and women that have not married you to mess you up, but you can't offer your bodies to righteousness. He said that offer your bodies to him, to him, to him, to God as instruments. Say instruments. Is the keyboard an instrument? Is the drum an instrument? Our worship is not the same without the drum, isn't it? The Bible says that, you know, praise God with the heart. Praise him with the love. Praise him with symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. When every instrument is playing symphonically, harmonically, and, and the medley, and everything is going right, we experience a certain realm of worship. The Bible is, the Bible is saying that your body is instruments that must be offered to God at all costs. Otherwise, you'll be offered it as instruments of wickedness. Hello, these sermons are not popular in the church of young people. Yes, I know. Because the quest to gather crowd has caused the sermons to be watered. Not in my church. Not under my eyes. I would rather go to heaven with five members who are saved and sanctified and anointed than a thousand members who are contorted to the devil. John Wesley said, just give me a hundred people who know how to pray and they hate sin and he said, and I'll take over the whole world. One of the reasons why the gospel is becoming impotent is because holiness has become abnormal. The Bible talks of Jesus. He said that because you had lawlessness and sin, he said, therefore the Lord your God has lifted you or exalted you above your companions and has anointed you with the oil of gladness. There's a certain oil, it works with holiness. There's a certain oil, you may be the most gifted, but if you leave holiness aside, forget it. You can operate in gifts. You can operate with, you know, with, with strong gift. But men have seen many gifted people who are anointed. And I tell you, it's not a gift that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. 
anointing is prepared in the place of sacrifice, of holiness. The Bible says, without holiness, no man will see God. Am I preaching to some people at all? Listen, it's about time you make a decision to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The Bible says that God is coming for a church that is holy without wrinkles, without spotter. Listen, there's power in holiness. Have you watched that when you are fasting and you stay away from nonsense things, you feel like a superman and a superwoman and you feel like the devil is nothing without it. But have you realized that anytime you begin to meddle in sin, you don't even want to come into the presence of God. I don't know about you, but anytime I mess up, I am feeling like going to church. Anytime I mess up, I don't feel like worshiping. Anytime I mess up, I don't feel like coming close. Yes, I know that healing is in his presence and restoration is in his presence. But Paul said, let's go beyond this elementary teachings of repentance and baptism and doctrines. And let's come to the place of maturity. Guys, listen, there's a place of holiness that brings out power. Say my body. Say my body. Say my body. Say my body. As a matter of fact, tell your body, say my body. You would only be an instrument. Come on, speak to that body as if it belongs to you. Say my body. Speak to that body. It has ears. It has gates. Say my body. From today, you would only become an instrument of righteousness. Say my body. You will not allow the devil to use you. Say my body. From today, you would only be used by God. Touched by God. Moved by God. Operated by God. Say my body is God or nobody. We've established that man is body, soul, and spirit. What is God's mind for your tripartite nature? For your body, for your soul, and for your spirit. Marie Kapali, speak in tongues with me for two seconds. Come on. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on. Lapara Suta. Come on, speak in tongues with me. Laparo Sata. If you can just just speak to God. Lay skinny miva. Zuni Kali para. Se maluvadi. Skinny mia talo janda. Vintali salu zeneme. Zanantali kaparo. And the name of you. The Holy Spirit said, There are some of you, even as you are making a decision right now to offer your bodies, He said, He's healing every infirmity. Oh, Jesus. I don't know who needs healing, but he said because they are offering their bodies to me, I'm healing any infirmity in their body. Rabazuna masala, res kini mi kapaya ru, zini atali mi kapaya, lo sinie rebesanda ya things that have become maruzani kapaya le rabasuni kapa things in this body. He said as you are offering it to me, I'm even healing you medically. I'm healing you emotionally. I'm healing you mara. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We continue. Now, your body, your soul, and your spirit, uh, there are ways God wants them to function. God wants them to operate in a certain order. God wants your body, your soul, and your spirit to submit to certain things to bring it to where he wants it to be. The first thing, write it down. 
This is God's original intention for your body and your soul and your spirit. God wants your body to be the slave and servant of your soul. God wants your body to be the slave and the servant of your soul. Body, slave and servant to your soul. And then God wants your soul to be the slave and servant to your spirit. God wants your body to be slave and servant to your soul. God wants your soul to be slave and servant to your spirit man. And God wants your spirit to be slave and servant to Jesus. Did you hear what I said? The body are slave and servant to your, your soul. Your soul are slave and servant to your spirit. Your spirit are slave and servant to your, to Jesus. So that means that Jesus rules your spirit man. Your spirit man controls your soul and your soul controls your body. In other words, the least in the hierarchy is your body, yet is the most dangerous. Your body is dangerous than your spirit. Your body is dangerous than your soul. And that is why when any time the enemy wants to attack a man and cause a man to fall, he appears to the body of the man. That is why in Galatians chapter number 5, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. It's not something to control your spirit or God. It's to control your body. I know so many anointed preachers who don't have self-control. They will sleep with anything in a skirt. People that are anointed in singing, but they can't control their body. They will sleep with anything in their trousers. People that can control their body. If somebody replies them, they'll reply a thousand times. If somebody speaks to them, they will speak back a thousand times. The Bible says that learn what it means to make your body a slave to your soul. Your soul a slave to your spirit. And let your spirit be a slow, a slave to Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, control me. Control my spirit. Oh, come on. Say, control my spirit. Control my soul. And control my body. Thank you, Jesus. So, what are the gates of the body? We've established that the body is a house. It has gates. Is that okay, Genevieve? So what are the gates of the body? We are going to look at the five gates to the body. In other words, if God would come into you and if the enemy would access you, he can only access you through these five gates. Number one, we talk about your eyes. The eyes. We are about to break it down. The eyes. It's a gate. Say my eyes is a spiritual gate to my body. The next thing, your nose. Say my nose. Do you know your nose is a gate spiritual? We are going to decode these. Your mouth. Your mouth. Your mouth. Kaparo sedebe. Your hands, 
Say my hands. Your hands. And then we have the final one, your sexual organs. So I've talked about your, and your, your ears. So your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your ears, and the sexual organs. I'm talking about, you know, if I say sexual organs, you understand it, isn't it? If you're a man, you know what your organs are. If you're a woman, you know what your sexual organs are. Your, pre, your reproductive organs are gates. So we have what we call the five gates to your body, which we are going to break each and every one down contextually by scripture. Your eyes is a gate. In other words, God can enter you. The Holy Spirit can permeate your soul through the gates of the eyes. In the same way, the enemy can permeate your soul through the gate of the eyes. If anybody enters your body, what they are looking for is your soul. And that's what Jesus said. What will it gain a man if he has the whole world and loses his soul? Is that okay? And if anybody gets hold of your soul, what you are actually looking for is your spirit. Because by the decisions of your soul, your spirit can, can, can be contaminated. So over here, these are five fundamental gates. Listen. Listen to me. You can never serve God so purely in a way that is deserving if you are not able to master God in these gates. Hello? I like how you're quiet. Let's touch it from, the, from down. We want to look at the sexual organs as a gate to the body. If I'm talking about a sexual organ, you are not kids, you should know. As a man, you know. As a woman, you know. Tell somebody you know. Ask the person, do you know what your sexual organs are? Ask the person, do you know? If you don't know, we would turn this place into a biological class and would do the anatomy of the human body. Is that okay? We'll do some anatomical studies here. But I want to look at your sexual organs as a gate. This is a massive one. Say it's a massive one. Listen, there are many people, this thing has messed up their destiny perpetually. It would only take grace to redeem them. I don't know if I've told you the story of this girl that came to me. And she told me she was dating this guy. She doesn't know why. She ever dated this guy. She doesn't know. She feels like the guy has casted a certain spell on her. And she said they did things. And this guy would beat her, take her money, and so many things, but she just can't leave him. The guy would go to prison. She would go and pay and drop the charges, and they'll bring him out, and all of these things. And she said, the guy told her, listen, I've tied you. You can never leave me. And the guy left. And she said she had a dream. And when she had this dream, Somebody, another guy had come to rescue her from this guy. And she's running. And she's seen a door. And she's opening the door to go and get rest there. And as she opens the door, she finds this guy who was chasing her in the room. And she sees many other women who are tied hand and foot. And the guy is laughing and the guy is saying, these are all the women are finished. And he says that he sees something like bottles. And in the bottles, there's the fetus of you know, babies that have been closed and kept into that bottle. And she said, this other guy came in and started shooting this guy who she's dating. And when the guy even died in his death, he was still laughing and saying, listen, you can never get away from me. 
The guy spiritually has tied this young woman and every single lady he's been with. And it would only take grace. Say grace. It would only take the grace of God. And total submit. Listen. Anything God tells us not to do, Jennifer, is for our good. Did you hear what I said? If God is telling, if listen, if you are driving and they say 30, God forgive me because I don't always follow. Forgive me, Lord. But if they say 30, if they say 50, they don't hate you, they want to save you. And sometimes in your disobedience, they take you money to save yourself. So, you know, sometimes nobody likes restrictions upon their life. Those times when we used to be in the boarding house, when we break the law, we feel like we've done something massive. Because, I mean, you can't control me. I'm not a robot to say sleep at six, wake up at eight. You can't go out. You need to sign. So we will break it to feel like we are supernatural. But when we grew, we realized that this was foolishness. Anything the Lord says do is for your good. When the Lord says don't, it's for your good. Are you here? If the Lord is saying that no ringy, no dingy is for your good. Do you hear what I said? If the Lord is saying no ringy, no dingy is for your good. Glory be to God. I, I we went to Holland in, in on Wednesday for or Tuesday for a wedding of you know my, my, my sister, Pastor Mame. The lady is 35 years. Just got married, has never dated any man in her life. She's married at the age of 35 as a virgin. Now listen, whether the husband is performing sexually, whether she's not, he's not performing sexually, whether he can do 30 rounds, or he can do 32.7 rounds, or he can do zero second rounds, it ain't matter for Pastor Mami because that's all she knows. Are you here? You, you will be suffering in your marriage because Kweku has entered. Kweku has entered. This one is 30 miles per hour. This one is 50 miles per hour. This one came 14 miles per hour. This one is going 0.007 miles per hour. And now you are married, but you are going crazy because the gate is overopened. Am I, am I preaching to some people here too? Say mercy. Say mercy. Say atonement. Now watch this. Your sexual organs, in other words, any time you allow somebody to sleep with you, physically, you are giving them access into your gates. You are giving them access to your soul. You are giving them access to your spirit man. And everybody who has access can determine what happens to you spiritually and physically. Give me the book of Genesis, the chapter number four. I don't think I'll finish this. I don't even think I'll even finish the sexual organ. We'll continue instead if I don't. Are we learning here? Are you sure? You are running? Are you sure? Okay, cool. The, 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 the Ugandan girls, are you sure? You are sure you are running? You are running? 
Give me New King James. New King James. The Bible says now. Say now. The Bible says that now Adam knew his wife. Do you know Vanessa? Do you know Vanessa? Do you know Vanessa? Do you know Vanessa? Yeah? Okay. Do you know Vanessa? Do you know Vanessa? And Sansa confidently. Do you know Vanessa? Yeah? Do you know Vanessa? Have you made her pregnant by knowing her? Nelson, have you impregnated Vanessa by knowing her? No. Vanessa, do you know Nelson? Do you know Nelson? <laughs> Vanny, you know Nelson? Has he impregnated you by knowing you? Like the world beat Nelson here. He's my brother, but I would have beaten him hard for illegally impregnating Vanessa. Watch this. The Bible says that an Adam knew his wife and she conceived. The word here, knew, in the Aramaic and Hebrew language is called yada. Say yada. It means intercourse or intimacy. In John, the chapter number four, when Jesus Christ washed and met the Samaritan woman and said, you worship what you do not know is the same word he was talking about that is yada, which is intimacy or intercourse. So he was telling the woman, you worship somebody that you don't have an intimate relationship with or you don't have intercourse with. The Greek or the Hebrew word here is called yada and that is what it calls to know carnally. To know by sleeping with, to have an intercourse or to be intimate with something. So over here, the Bible says that Adam knew the wife and she conceived. In other words, Adam had a sexual encounter with the wife and the wife conceived. What it means is that, listen, anytime there is an exchange sexually between a man or a woman, there is conception. And this does not necessarily have to be a baby. Are we here? Anytime, listen, the essence of intercourse is conception. Anytime two things come together, two things come together with the mindset of producing. So the Bible says that Adam knew his wife. What it means is that, listen, anybody that is married to anybody, your gates or the gates of your soul, the gates of your spirit is open to that man to know everything about you spiritually and physically. And that's what the Bible talks about, the fact that if any man meets a woman and they marry on the bed of intercourse, the Bible says you become one. So as it stands, me and patience, as it stands, Sarah and Michael spiritually are not two different people. They are one. When it comes to intercourse, one plus one is not two. One plus one becomes one. That means that every 
everything about you is open up to the other person. Everything on that, everything about the other person is open up to you. And that is why, you see, according to the Jewish custom, you cannot see, you don't, in the Jewish custom, you don't seal a marriage with a ring. In the Jewish custom, you seal a marital consummation with sex. So when you marry a Jewish man, on the day when they've performed all the rites and all the wedding, they will lead you to a room, they'll put a white bedsheet on the bed, they'll put you and your husband there, and you have sex. And then later they'll come and see if there's blood on the garment. If they come and see that there's blood in the, on the garment, it means, number one, you were a virgin. Number two, it means that because of the blood, your marriage has been consummated. And if they are in the army or everything, they give them one year. Leave from everything, including preaching and everything. And they are meant to go and be at a place by themselves, have sex, do all of those kind of things. Because in their communication, in their intercourse, sexually, they unite becoming from becoming two individuals to becoming one person. The danger is this. If this man or if this woman has been illegally uniting himself to other women, to other people, he's not just opening himself to these spirits, but he's opening himself to the spirits that are within these people. Am I speaking to people here? Am I speaking to people here? So, now when you begin to unite yourself with this person through sexual activities, you are not just dealing with the spirits that you are battling in your home. You are dealing with the spirit that person is battling and every other spirit that person has connected himself to sexually. And this is where we call soul ties. That is why usually you don't need, to, you, we, even with wedding, ideally, there has to be some prayer and deliverance and invoking and revoking certain things because before we join. You see, I tell people all the time, nobody takes his or her enemy to the altar, buys a ring, spends 10K for a wedding and say, oh, I'm taking my enemy to the altar to marry. Everybody marries somebody they love. But you see, for the marriage to stand, there are many things that are working spiritually and are working physically to either cause the marriage to hold or to break the marriage. And one of the things that kills marriages so much is because people have joined themselves spiritually to other things they don't have to because they allow themselves to be used sexually and because of that their sexual gates were open for people to access it. Are we here at all? Are we here at all? Say, Lord, redeem me. Say, Lord, deliver me. No, let's read the scripture. Let's read the scripture. Thank you, Holy Ghost. First Corinthians chapter 6. 16 to 17. First Corinthians 6. Or do you not know? Tell someone, do you not know? Do you not know that he who is a joy to a harlot. It's the same word for prostitute. Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? In other words, whoever engages in a sexual activity with any other man or woman, you become one with that person. The crazy thing is that some of you, it's not just about the fact that you're doing it illegally. 
You are even, even though you are, you are messing up illegally, you don't even have the conscience to even mess up with the right people. Am I speaking here at all? You mess up, Nekra, and you've messed up. But you are foolishly messing up with the foolish men and women. You know, you see this guy is a strong womanizer. You say, yeah, but I love him regardless. You are fool. Sometimes, when you want to pull off from something and you can't, it means there's something that has gone beyond your physical self. You've been tied in ways you do not know. So you can see this guy is not really for me, but regardless, I can't get over him. Because he's gone beyond physical feeling here. There are soul ties involved. You have opened the gates of your body to be one. He says that whoever is joined with a harlot is one in body with her. He said, for the two, he says, shall become one flesh. And they become one flesh through what we call the intercourse, sexually. So spiritually, and as I said, according to Jewish Christian, you don't consummate a marriage with a wedding ring. You consummate it by sex. The day you slept with any man or the day you slept with any woman, boom. I was dealing with a young man. One time, me and him and my spiritual father were in Germany. We were dealing with this guy. He came to me and said he needs help. My spiritual father gave him a... I'm telling you, I won't lie. Before God and my... My spiritual father gave him a pen and a paper and said, write all the ladies. He got to 24. He said, I've lost count. He got to 24. He said, I've lost count. I can't continue anymore. Imagine one guy got to 24 women and has lost count and you fall for this person of a guy who has may not have repented and may not have surrendered himself wholly to God. Do you know the Bible talks in Mark chapter 5 when the madman at Gadara met Jesus, he said, he asked the demons, who are you? He said, there is a legion. There is a many. Listen, there are people that have legions of demons in them and you, the Lord is saying, close your legs. Wait for the time you are married and you think you are yourself and you can obey. When God tells you don't, it is for your good. I'm telling you before God, he got to 24. He said, I've lost count. Listen, if this guy does not receive grace and deliverance from God, his wife is in trouble. 24. Don't laugh foolishly. You should laugh intentionally. What did I say? Don't laugh what? Don't laugh what? Don't love what? You should love what? Intention. God can show you you are my wife. You either deal with that 24 women spiritually or you ain't gonna married. So that whoever joins himself with a harlot is one with her. For the two he says shall become one. Let's go to the next one. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Say soul ties. Lift up your right hand. Listen. Soul ties are not only caused sexually. There are some of you, you've even had soul ties just by communication. 
Somebody can speak to you consistently and your soul will be knit to that person. Did you hear what I said? Not every soul tie is sexually. There are certain soul ties that are even created by communication. Lift up your right and say, Father, anybody I have entertained wrongly, people that I've given access into my life sexually or even not sexually or, or by any form of communication Say by the blood, say by the blood of Jesus, I declare liberty. I declare a release. Say, Father, the word says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are past. Behold, all things are become new. Say, Father, your word says, the things we did in ignorance, you would overlook. Say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy upon me upon my soul, upon my body, upon my spirit. Anybody that has accessed my gates wrongly, say, Father, by the blood. Say, Father, by the blood. I break that covenant. I break that soul tie. I break that bondage in the name of Jesus. Say, I declare liberty spiritually and physically in the name of Jesus. Be on your feet. I want us to pray. Find a place to stand. I want us to pray. I've told you people this. I don't know if I've told you people. Some years back. Maybe. Maybe. 2006 maybe. I went to a place to go and buy something in a shop. I went there and met a girl. And she gave what I was buying for me for free. As a young man that was hustling, I went there a second time. She gave it for me for free. And when we see some things are free, we will come constantly. I'm telling you a true story. I would go there and I would go there and I would go there. And one Sunday, I used to be a prayer warrior in church. We used to run two services in the Baptist church. We as the prayer team would go for the first service. Afterwards, I would teach in Bible school. And then the prayer team, we would lock us in a room during the second service. We would pray for the whole duration of the three service. And when my pastor has finished preaching, we would come out and do ministry. You people have gotten it cheaper. We would have locked you in a room. And this service, you will not be here. You will just be praying. One Sunday, I don't know what came over me. I decided not to go to church. All of a sudden, this young lady called me and said, she's dying and I should come home because she has asthma. The spirit of the Lord said, Randolph, number one, you've disobeyed me. Number two, don't go. But if you want to see the reason why I'm telling you not to go, set an arm on your phone. So I set an arm on, your, on my phone. The moment I got to the girl of this, the house of this girl, I said the girl of this house. The moment I got to the house of this girl, God is my witness. She locked the door. And she said, listen, you either sleep with me today or something will happen. I was like, oh, listen, I have to go to church. And she was like, so it became lots of battle and became lots of strangling. I tell you, I nearly, I nearly. All of a sudden, my phone's alarm started ringing. So I pick up the phone and I pretended as if it was my uncle calling me. It's like, oh, uncle, you had the gate. Okay, I'm coming right now. So, so listen, listen, my uncle has come back from church. I need to run and things like that. The gastro will not understand. And immediately, I don't know, but her parents were coming for the 
you know, put on the horn. Because, you know, in, in Ghana, in Africa, we have main gates. And then you come through the yard. And then, so she opened the back door for me. And she said, I should run away. And I said, I should run away. I'm staying. I want your father to see me. But I'm lying. I ran away like I was being chased. That night, I come home. And I'm sleeping. And I dream. And as I dream, I see this girl chasing me. And I'm running. And all of a sudden, as I'm running, this girl's, the whole upper part of her body changes to a form of a dog. And she's chasing me spiritually. And I wake up and the Lord said, I saved you. If you had slept with this girl, that was the end of your destiny. A human being, but spiritually a dog. Joseph was so much concerned about his assignment and the crown God had told him, the dreams he had presented to him, that he wouldn't let one day of pleasure mess up his life of purpose. Sometimes a night of pleasure. Listen. Three days ago, there's a girl I've started counseling from Germany. She went to a party with a guy who plays keyboard in the church. So-called Christoph, a girl says she got drunk. This guy, because she couldn't drive, this guy drove her home, took her upstairs, and raped her. Three days ago. Raped her! And now they've gone to court and other elders in that church has come and testified against the girl. And they've made the case foolish case and now she's going mad. This girl is writing on Facebook and everything and three days ago I was with her on the phone and she was telling me how the, and you realize that her life is messed up and it would only take the grace of God. Listen, if the Lord is saying don't, it's for your good. The Bible says that the commandments of God are not burdensome. Did you hear what I said? The commandments of God are not what? Burdensome. It's for our good. Because by our disobedience, you can have a pleasure for a day, but you may pay for it eternally. Jesus Christ forgives our sins. He's washed it on the cross. But there are certain things, the consequences. So you could sleep with someone and then your sin may be forgiven. But if that guy has HIV, HIV doesn't forgive. So you are forgiven yet you live with the consequences. Am I speaking sense here? Am I speaking sense here? And that is why we have to. We have to. We may not be virgins. It does not matter. But you can be a virgin from this season. You can be a virgin from this moment. What has happened in the past has happened. But we can make a decision to turn things around. And young man, listen. When a woman is a virgin, it's fine, but when a guy is a virgin, it's like when a guy loses the... I've never seen any guy crying because they lost their virginity because to them it's not a big deal. But listen, you may be losing your destiny. Am I speaking sense here? Joseph! Joseph! Remembered that God has shown him a dream 
that the sun and the moon and the stars would all bow to him. And because of that, even when Potiphar's wife said, nobody would see, he said, no. Joseph did not say that, listen, I'm not going to do it because other people would see it. He said, I cannot sin against my God. There's a level of work with God that even when men don't see you, you look at the God who sees all things and you say, I have a covenant and I will uphold it regardless. Am I speaking here? Listen, the Bible says any sin you commit, it's, but it says the sin that you commit sexually, you sin against your body. And if your body is of no good, how would God be able to use it? I've told you the biggest tool you can ever give to God is not your offering or your cash, it's your body. Lift up your hands. Lizzie and go, prayer team, get up mics. Say, Father. Say, Father. Say, Father. Say, Father. This afternoon, I've heard your word. Say, so this afternoon. I've heard your word. Listen, you could be married, but still pray this prayer. Because there could be things you may not have dealt with. Say, Father, this afternoon, any spirit, any spirit that has gotten access, that has gotten access to influence my life, influence legally, my life. legally, through sexual acts. Through sexual Listen, acts. there are some of you, you are virgins physically, but you've indulged in sexual... Sexual... Uh, you know, sexual gates are not just by so-called penetration. Some of you, the kind of things you've watched sexually, masturbating, doing so many other things. Listen, listen, anytime you watch pornography, you are creating soul ties with the people. Look at how dirty these people are in the porn. Women, that people are slapping them, beating them anyhow, anyhow. And you are creating only healthy soul ties with, with people that you don't even see. Demonic people! Lift up your hand. Say, Father. Father. Say, Father, this day. Father, this day. I pray. I pray. Any soul tie. Any soul tie. I've created sexually. I've created sexually. As I lift up my voice. As I lift up my voice. In prayer. In prayer. Let the blood of Jesus wash me. Let the blood of Jesus purge me. Let the blood of Jesus sanctify me. Say, I break. That ties spiritually and physically in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray. Come on, I want to hear you pray. Somebody get on the drum. Come on, get. come on, let's pray. Come on, speak. Speak to your soul. Speak to your body. Speak to your spirit. I did touch my body from any soul tire. I break any demonic bondage. I destroy any soul tire bondage. Soul ties up. I release myself from any soul tie. I release my 
We are going to pray. Listen, leave. Find a place to stand. We are dealing with your destiny here. Find a place you can pray. Find a place. It's your destiny we are talking about here. Listen. He says that for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. 14. How much more? Guys, listen, I have a good news for you. The blood is efficient enough to break any ungodly Amen. covenant. He said, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal spirit, we are going to apply a recipe. We are going to apply the recipe of the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood. He said, how much more shall the blood who is working through the eternal spirit, you know, without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works that you may be able to serve the living God. In other words, listen, when your conscience is in captivity, you can't serve God. How many times were people feeling the presence of God? You couldn't because the enemy was meddling with your conscience, bringing some things that happened three years ago. He said that, listen, when he cleanses your conscience from dead works, you can serve the living God. Go to the verse number 15 for me. He says that, and for this reason, he's the mediator of the new covenant. Say new covenant. Tonight, we would enact a new covenant. Amen. Any covenant that is not after Amen. God tonight, the Bible says the old things are past. Behold, a new, a new, a new covenant. Jesus Christ took the cup and said that this is my blood of the new covenant. Listen, don't be fooled. Spiritual things are real. I was in Amsterdam two days ago. I was talking to one of my boys called Emmanuel, and I told him, Look, Emma, there's this guy. In Amsterdam, I need to talk to him. I need to counsel him. I need to speak to him. Emmanuel texted the guy and said, oh, Pastor Randolph is here with me. The guy said, I had a dream three days ago. Pastor Randolph had walked to me and was giving me counsel about my calling and my ministry. Listen, don't joke with spiritual things. Your ignorance to spiritual things does not negate the effectiveness of the spiritual world. Are we here? Yes, sir. Are we here? Yes, sir. Lift up your hand. Say, Father, 
Father. This afternoon. This afternoon. I apply, I apply, I apply the, blood the blood of Jesus, of Jesus which, is working which is working through the eternal, through the eternal Holy, Ghost. Holy Ghost. I apply this blood, I apply this blood to, my soul. to my soul. I apply this blood to my spirit. I apply this blood to my mind. I apply this blood to my conscience. I apply this blood to all my being. Say, Father. By the blood, any covenant that is not of God that I have entered legally or illegally by the blood, let that covenant be broken now in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and Thank you for tuning into this podcast. We pray you are blessed by it. If you would like to connect with us, you can follow us on our social media pages under the handle Kingdom Ambassador Centre UK. We also invite you to fellowship with us on Wednesday evenings from 7pm, Sunday mornings from 11am and at our monthly night vigils on the third Friday of every month from 11pm at Unit 21 Millmead Business Centre, Millmead Road, N17 9QU. Kingdom Ambassador Centre. Raising disciples, taking territories and advancing the kingdom of God. Shalom and God bless you.